Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. We get up there and we see two bodies just on the floor. We were just shocked. A driver goes on a deadly rampage in New York City, plowing down a bike path in lower Manhattan near Ground Zero, just as children were getting out of a nearby school. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. It was a deliberate attack now being investigated as an act of terror, according to New York authorities. A number of people struck and killed, many others injured, before police shot the suspect and took him into custody. Aaron MacArthur explains how it all unfolded and what we're learning about the 29-year-old suspect. The crime scene stretches for blocks. The bike path, littered with twisted metal. A man in a rented Home Depot truck drove down this Manhattan bike path, killing eight and wounding 11. His rampage only coming to an end after the truck smashed into a school bus. And I look, I see, you know, a truck a few more blocks down going down the bike path. And when I went that way, I seen a couple of bodies laying right there in the bike path. A bunch of bike bicycles, they were on the floor. It was really chaotic. We get up there and we see two bodies just on the floor. We were just shocked. Witnesses say the man who got out of the truck was screaming in Arabic and holding what appeared to be a weapon. Police were on scene in a matter of minutes and shot the suspect. He's been taken to hospital. Driver, he didn't look like he was bleeding or anything per se. He looked frustrated, panicked, confused. A whole bunch of people came running past my way yelling, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. Somewhere between five and ten gunshots, just one after another. When I walked up to it, the first thing I saw was a man who was being arrested. He wasn't putting up a fight. He was on his knees, hands behind his head. The FBI and the NYPD quickly labeled this as terrorism. The suspect is a 29-year-old from Uzbekistan who is thought to have moved to the U.S. in 2010. Saifullo Saipov, believed to have acted alone. But at this point, there's, there's no evidence to suggest a wider plot or a wider scheme. Uh, but the actions of one individual who meant to cause pain and harm uh, and probably death, and the resulting terror. No word if any Canadians were among the injured or dead. The investigation will now focus on the suspect's motives. Saifullo Saipov is now out of surgery and said to be in critical condition. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Here at home, the man behind a racist tirade that was caught on camera and later went viral has been sentenced. It happened last October, Kerry Corbett hurling slurs at a parking attendant in Abbotsford. Grace Key has more on his sentence and what Corbett told Global News about his behavior. Are you a Hindu? When did you come to Canada? It was a racially charged tirade in Abbotsford that was caught on tape and quickly went viral on social media. Kerry Corbett got a two-month conditional sentence and one-year probation as part of a joint submission from Crown and Defence. I agree with it. I agree with it. Yeah. Corbett made a brief comment as he left Abbotsford Court. I apologize for what I said, and, and it's over with. I'm just happy it's over with, and uh, 
a bad day, and again, I apologize. Threatening you? Don't feel threatened. Last October, Corbett got into an argument with a 72-year-old parking attendant. Lawyer Ravi Dura was in the area and started recording, and that's when Corbett turned his attention to Dura. Go back to Hindi. White power, mother That this person just had um, nothing but hate uh, directed towards me. Is your problem? You Part of his sentencing agreement includes counseling and a curfew. The judge noted he has been publicly shamed. Corbett turned himself in and pleaded guilty to assault. In this case, the assault was verbal. There was no physical contact. There could also be a reconciliation meeting between Corbett and the victim. I apologize for the comments I made and they were wrong. Glad that it's all over? Yeah, it is. Turn to my face. Don't have yours. Corbett had also been charged with assault, causing a disturbance and uttering threats against the parking attendant. Those charges were later stayed. Grace Key, Global News. How do you like it? In the North Okanagan tonight, more tents have been brought in as investigators comb a large rural property on Salmon River Road where human remains have been found. The massive search has families of five missing women in the area anxious for answers. Among them... Lori Nixon, whose daughter Tracy disappeared five years ago. Nixon has now submitted a DNA sample as part of the investigation and tells Global's Doris Bregalise what she wishes she would have done for her daughter. She would never go that long without talking to me. Lori Nixon hasn't heard from her daughter in five months. Till I have a body, I, I want to hang on to some hope. Tracy Genero was reportedly last seen on May 29th in Vernon's Red Light District, where her mother says she was likely buying heroin or selling sexual services to buy drugs. Lori Nixon says getting the 18-year-old off drugs was proving to be impossible. I don't know how many times in the last six months before she went missing, she looked me right in the eyes and begged me to force her, but I can't. Because if she starts screaming and yelling, then the cops are over and I'm in jail. Then what? The thought that Tracy fell victim to foul play along with other women missing from the North Okanagan is a frightening prospect for Nixon. I'd be naive to say no. Of course, I suspect, but I don't want to. (laughs) Nixon has been reluctant to watch news of the unfolding investigation on Salmon River Road, about a half-hour drive from Vernon. I've been trying not to look too hard at it. I don't want Teresa to be involved in that. Prior to police descending on the farm, they warned sex trade workers about the Salmon River Road area. Days later, they charged 37-year-old Curtis Sagmoyne with threatening a sex trade worker with a gun in August. He lives on the farm, currently being excavated by RCMP forensic teams. Global News has learned from court records that Sagmoyne was in Vernon the day Tracy went missing. He was issued three traffic tickets that day for headlight and taillight infractions. Police have not said whether he is a suspect in Tracy's disappearance. I don't care anymore. I just want my daughter. Police last week added Nixon's DNA blood sample to Tracy's file as procedure, something she finds unsettling considering the investigation on Salmon River Road. They're not getting any new leads. The trail's gone cold long ago. The mounting stress and worry have taken its toll on Nixon, so much so that she was fired from her job just last Saturday. Now, with more time on her hands to think about Tracy, she inevitably blames herself and says parents should do whatever it takes to rescue their children from the streets. Help them. 
take the risk. I should have just taken the risk and gone to jail for kidnapping my own kid because it would have might have been worth it. Doris Maria Bregalisi, Global News. Thank you. Yeah, and my apologies for misspeaking earlier. Obviously, Tracy disappeared five months ago, not five years ago. Ramina Dea joins us now live from the farm that's being searched tonight. Ramina, what have you learned about the investigation? Well, Chris, the farm here on Salmon River Road continues to be the epicenter of this investigation. This is a monster property. This 24 acres in size and RCMP are going through it meticulously. What looks like a piece of clothing was found at the back of the property. It was on a slope and they found that yesterday. It was bagged as evidence it was near the creek. Bucket by bucket, police spent hours sifting through the dirt looking for evidence. We know that this farm has been on the RCMP's radar for a long time, long before the human remains were discovered here about two weeks ago. Now, sources say that the RCMP put surveillance equipment, listening devices, in the grass about five minutes up the hill from the farm. And a week after that operation, they moved in with a search warrant. RCMP still maintaining that it's too early to link the five missing women from this area to this investigation here at the farm right now. It's been six days since the RCMP's last update, Chris, and there is no new information tonight. And investigators are still not revealing whether the human remains found here belong to one person or several. Chris. All right, Ramina, we'll hope that uh, there's something for the families coming up in the next little while. Thank you for that. Ramina near Salmon Arm tonight. Now, Abbotsford's chief of police is calling for a new approach to tackle the opioid crisis following the overdose deaths of five people in his city last Friday. Chief Bob Rich wants a bigger focus on prevention and is calling on the province to make conversations about fentanyl a mandatory part of classroom learning. Tanya Beja has more. The fentanyl crisis that's gripping this province is changing the conversation about drug use. It's not a question of whether you're going to get addicted. It's whether you're going to live through the next 10 minutes. And that's changed the story. A story that Abbotsford's police chief says needs to make its way into classrooms. Following the overdose deaths of five people in a span of 10 hours last Friday, Chief Bob Rich wants the province to focus more on prevention, educating students starting in grade four. Because kids start experimenting with these drugs uh, at a very early age. They will steal prescription pills out of their parents' uh, cupboards. They will get a pill from their buddy. Uh, there are, unfortunately, there's trafficking going on in schools, including middle schools. He wants more funding for teacher training. And I think with young people, it has to be discussed. It has to be out in the open. You know, they just, it's so dangerous today just taking anything. If we start young with, um, with educating them, then they won't have to end up in the hospital. District superintendents do speak regularly with the provincial health officer. Naloxone kits are available in high-risk schools. And BC's education minister says there may be room in the grade 11 and 12 curriculum for a more focused discussion. But really, I think it's about the community, uh, including police departments, getting into schools regularly, uh, informing young people about uh, what it is to make choices, what the risks are out there. Drugs are often cut and things are put into it. Districts like Vancouver, Surrey and Abbotsford already address fentanyl in regular presentations. Youth workers say the benefits come from repeated visits. And we get that feedback from youth consistently that uh, when we spend the time and get to know them and get to know their concerns and needs, 
that our messaging is more effective. This little kit could save the life of someone you love. Rich says education has gone far in changing behaviors around smoking and impaired driving. Drug use now the next target. Tanya Beja, Global News. They're choking. There are many ways we can help the younger members of our society. A reminder, this is Variety Week here on Global BC. And all week we're showcasing, uh, showcasing stories to raise awareness and money for Variety, the children's charity. Variety helps kids and their families across the province when they need it most. It could be for wheelchairs or hearing aids or costly therapies. But every dollar raised in B.C. stays in B.C. You can make a donation right now by calling 310-KIDS. That's 310-KIDS. Or online at variety.bc.ca. And for tonight's news hour, we have a very special announcement. Hi, I am Terry Banting of Coastal Ford, Burnaby, Vancouver, and Squamish. We have had a partnership with Variety since 2001, delivering all the vehicles for the Sunshine Coach program. I've had the honor of delivering all the vehicles and working the telethon for the last five years. Once you see the impact these vehicles have on the children, you are truly touched. So from all of us at Coastal Ford, for the duration of the news hour, we are matching all donations. So please call 310 Kids now. Once again, from all of us at Coastal Ford, thank you for helping the kids. Doubling your dollars for the next hour. That means with your help, we can double the number of kids that we help. Now, since this campaign launched yesterday, we're excited to tell you if we've raised enough money to help 60 children. Last year through the week, we were able to help 266 children during Variety Week. And we want to help even more children this year. So if you can, Please call that number, 310-KIDS, and we'll remind you throughout the program as well. Well, remember last year's winter? Hard to forget it, right? Well, brace yourself. Colder Arctic air is moving in, and parts of B.C., including the Lower Mainland, could see snow in the coming days. What some cities are doing differently and how much it's going to cost this year in just over a minute. Well, it seemed like an unbelievable tale, and it turns out maybe it was why the story of two women lost at sea for months doesn't hold much water. Coming up. And what about the animals? Calls for a better plan next wildfire season to deal with all the victims who can't help themselves. That's coming up. But first, a dramatic change in weather is coming. Parts of B.C., including the Lower Mainland, could see snow later this week. After last year's crippling winter, Vancouver City Council approved a budget increase of $840,000. That doubles the total snow budget to $1.62 million. Jeff Hastings explains what the city is doing differently this year when it comes to its snow response plan. <laughs> Close your eyes in the afternoon sun and for a moment, it's July. It's warmer than you thought? Oh yeah, actually, I thought it was going to be colder. But really, it's one of the last warm days for a while. By the end of the week, winter. Really? Oh my God. Are you ready? No, not ready. Remember this? Maybe you're trying not to. Last year's exceptionally harsh winter is drilled into many people's minds. Tire shops are going full tilt. It's a race to beat the freeze. Last year was something that I hadn't seen in the Lower Mainland since the time I've been with Cal Tire down here. And uh, this fall, it's the same kind of idea. It's, it, it's a lot of people coming through the doors. Vancouver City staff say last winter was 1 in 30. One snow event after another prolonged periods below zero. 
shortage of salt and patience. Whoa. This year, there's more money, more workers, and many will be relieved to hear more salt. We will have even more salt available uh, this year, and uh, I assume that the uh, retail outlets will be uh, bringing in lots of salt as well. An ICBC survey finds 48% of lower mainland drivers will put on winter tires this season. The same survey says 47% either saw an accident or a near miss in last year's ice and snow. Crashes do happen, and really our message to everyone is, particularly when uh, it's dark or it's rainy or it's snowy, to be prepared and to uh, you know expect the unexpected. Overall, the message is that much of the icy unpleasantness can be avoided, especially on the roads. You wouldn't go outside uh, wearing flip-flops in the snow. Uh, you shouldn't be using summer tires on your vehicle if there's snow. Looking across the inlet this afternoon, the almost icy haze would fit in January. Jeff Hastings, Global News. The full forecast from Yvonne Schell filling in for Christie coming up in just a minute. Now, Vancouver's newest city councillor has officially been sworn in. The NPA's Hector Bremner won the seat in the October by-election, becoming his party's fourth member on council. His priorities include increasing the housing supply and improving affordability. Bremner's win is seen as a blow to Mayor Gregor Robertson and his ruling Vision Vancouver party. And Vancouver City Council unanimously approving a controversial plan to develop a historic Carisdale church. Dunbar Ryerson United Church sits on prime Carisdale real estate at U and 45th Avenue. Despite fierce opposition from locals, the 89-year-old property will be rezoned to add an eight-story condo tower, which will pay for a refurbished church and some new community space. Neighbors had been vehemently opposed to the development's height and density. New documents show a town left to burn. Residents of Cressy Lake felt like they were forgotten in the B.C. wildfires. Now Global News has some evidence they were right. And later, morning show host Wendy Williams faints during a live broadcast. New information tonight about the protection or lack thereof for the community of Pressy Lake ravaged by wildfires this summer. More than 30 homes were lost there, residents feeling forgotten but trying to move forward. And Nadia Stewart joins us now with the details from some newly released FOI documents, Nadia, that show they were right to feel neglected. Yeah, that's right, Chris. The documents raise more questions about what did not happen in the days before the Elephant Hill wildfire tore through Pressy Lake. The fire had a devastating impact on the community, but since August, residents have been pushing for answers, trying to understand what went wrong. Back then, they were told that they would have to file a Freedom of Information request to get answers. Now, more than 500 documents have been released. Among them, this handwritten note that confirms the BC Wildfire Service knew what was needed to protect the homes in this tiny community. 156 sprinklers, eight pumps, and some additional sprinklers for outbuildings. But we know that equipment was never set up. A photocopy of a page from one of the Brown Crew's notes includes a question, do we want to protect the south side of Bonaparte Road from North Green Lake Road to Pressy Lake? Other notes speak to the pressure the Thompson-Nicola Regional District was applying at the time to allow residents back into the community, but it would be several days before anyone was allowed back in to see their homes, Chris. Did, uh, did we ever get an explanation from the province about why those sprinklers were never set up? 
Well, they say that the fire approached quickly and crews had to get out of there as quickly as they could, but that answer is really not sitting well with residents. Structural protection crews were on the ground as of July 28th. Residents were told to evacuate on July 29th, but the fire didn't hit Pressy Lake until August the 11th or 12th, and that handwritten note is dated August 7th. So that leaves residents questioning what happened between July the 28th and August 11th, why something could not have been done to protect their homes, Chris. Mm, I sure hope we can find an answer for that, but it might be a long time coming. Thanks very much, Nadia. Well, in a wildfire evacuation, knowing how to get animals out safely and where to take them is one of the biggest challenges, especially for farmers with livestock. Some volunteers who helped this past summer say they were inundated with owners in need, highlighting a gap in the province's response plans. So in part five of our series of NewsHour follow-ups, Nitu Garcha looks at the ideas being proposed to close that gap. This is Kelly Kennedy helping soon-to-be-evacuated Clinton farmers in July. She says rescuing and caring for livestock this wildfire season was anything but organized. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew where to go. Nobody knew where to get funds from. Kennedy owns a ranch in Kamloops. Her family took in nearly 100 animals. Community support kept them going. But Kennedy says there are cases of donations being misused by people falsely claiming to be animal rescuers. There is no accountability for a lot of things. There were so many people wanting to help and didn't know where to go, didn't know who to help, didn't know where to send donations. That's why she wants the province to create a BC-wide emergency response plan specifically for animals with a registration process and clear steps to follow. Each region should have their own emergency plan or safe zone for animals to go to. What role would you and your ranch be willing to play in that for this region? You know, for us, um, I would like to see it that we were maybe like the Thompson-Nicola Region Emergency Evacuation Center. Informally, that's what her ranch turned into this summer. RVs lined the property that became home to dozens of animals and evacuees from all over the southern interior. Uh, any other place, we had to get rid of our pet. Over at the formal evacuation center, Four Paws Food Bank cared for about 1,200 domestic pets. The Kamloops-based charity wants the province to step up financially so evacuated pet owners know for sure their animals will be accommodated. Because if they don't, they risk either not evacuating or they delay it. Horse Council BC, a non-profit advocate for horse owners, wants BC to take some lessons from Alberta. They have started building an equine emergency plan and they're working with government and the livestock sector to bring a plan together. Forest Minister Doug Donaldson says the province is willing to look at these ideas as it reviews the 2017 wildfire response. Bottom line, advocates say, is a plan needs to be in place by next year's wildfire season. I think it's critical. Which is now just six months away. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Kamloops. The fallout from the investigation into Russian meddling in the United States. It is very distracting to the president. The young aide who pled guilty and why there may be a lot more to come from the FBI investigation. Also tonight, they told a wild tale of being lost at sea, but gaps in their story have many wondering if it's even true. More tonight on the fallout from the Mueller investigation into Russian meddling and influence on the 2016 U.S. election campaign. President Trump took to social media to slam a former campaign aide who pleaded guilty to misleading the FBI, calling him a liar. 
The guilty plea of George Papadopoulos is providing fresh insight into Robert Mueller's wide-ranging investigation of Russia's attempt to influence the presidential campaign. When Papadopoulos was sentenced October 5th, one of the prosecutors described it as, quote, an ongoing investigation, of which this case is a small part. He admitted lying to the FBI by saying he wasn't a Trump campaign volunteer when he met with the Russians who bragged that they could deliver what they called dirt on Hillary Clinton. NBC News has learned one of those questioned just last week, according to sources with direct knowledge, was Sam Clovis, a Trump campaign aide who appeared to approve of a Papadopoulos request to go to Russia for the campaign. But Clovis's lawyer says he would have never approved of that. Are you going to argue this Manafort? Thank you. Thank you. President Trump ignored shouted questions today, but called his former advisor, Papadopoulos, a low-level volunteer and a proven liar. Mr. Trump's outside advisors also took aim. The guy was, he was the coffee boy. He was not a person who was involved with the day-to-day operations of the campaign. The president's chief of staff acknowledging the probe is taking a toll. It is very distracting to the president, as it would be to any citizen, to be investigated uh, for something. There is also discord about the path forward. The president's legal team urging him to stay the course to keep cooperating with special counsel Robert Mueller, even as his former chief strategist Steve Bannon is advising the president to fight back very hard against Mueller. On Capitol Hill, bipartisan calls for the investigation to proceed unencumbered. I have zero concern that Mr. Mueller is in jeopardy of losing his job. I have had full faith and confidence in Bob Mueller from the beginning. Authorities are questioning the story of two American women who say they were stranded at sea. Usually they have a, the EPIRB inside or some kind of strobe so that we know where to find you. The U.S. Navy saved the boaters last week. They say they were on a journey from Hawaii to Tahiti when they say they encountered one problem after another that crippled the boat. At the time of the rescue, the women said they were near death, but the Coast Guard says the two never activated their emergency beacon. Authorities also have concerns about the boaters' first day at sea. The women say they sailed into a storm that disabled their vessel. However, weather officials say no severe weather was in their area at any time during that part of the trip. In health news tonight, getting a blood test is a terrifying thought for many people. But for those with autism, it can be nothing short of a nightmare. Not just for them, but for their families and the technician taking the blood. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, Life Labs has come up with a new procedure it hopes will help. I'm going to use a butterfly needle on you. No one likes having blood taken, but sometimes you just have to buck up and do it. We'll poke, take a deep breath. For some, however, toughing it out is not an option. For a child in the autism spectrum disorder, it can take about like 30, 45 minutes. They don't like this. They will fight you. Pacific Autism Family Network, how may I help you? Joshua, a person on the autism spectrum, works at the Pacific Autism Family Network in Richmond as a representative. I like it to avoid stress. I get stressed out easily, so this job is very, very good for me. You can imagine how the stress of going to a lab for blood works went over when he was a child. When I was younger, it was very unpleasant. Kind of daunting, a bit confusing. Certainly coming to a very busy environment where where blood tests might normally be taken and busy waiting rooms, that child will often have meltdowns. Recently, the network and Life Labs partnered to come up with a solution. This is it. One of the things that's really unique about this room is that we've designed it 
to be sensory friendly. So we've got really neat features like the sensory lights here that can help calm the patient during the procedure. It's the only room of its kind in Canada, situated inside the network's facility, where specially trained technicians visit weekly, taking blood samples while causing as little trauma as possible. When we heard from the families how difficult it was to get the work done, we knew we needed to do something. To make a child feel comfortable and settled and, and um, interested in their environment around them. <laughs> rather than focusing on what might be perceived as a negative in terms of the blood test. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Halloween turned out to be too much for one morning show host. Our first caress. Why Wendy Williams went down right in the middle of her live broadcast. And you cannot put a price on freedom. How your donations to Variety, the children's charity, have changed this teenager's life. The scary moment for a daytime talk show host that played out on live TV. That's coming up in just a moment. But first, the weather forecast and the mention of snow might have scared a few people earlier. Happy Halloween to you and to Yvonne Shell, who is uh, out at a haunted house. Great night for it. And this one is very special. Uh, this is the family-friendly uh, house that's raising money for Variety, the children's charity tonight, Yvonne. Absolutely, Chris, and happy Halloween, everyone. It's dry this evening if you're still heading out. Uh, this is a great haunted house, and this is Vicki Ayer's annual haunted house, and it goes towards Variety, the children's charity. We're going to have more on the haunted house, but there's a great crowd. Kids are out this evening, and it's spectacular. But as we get into the forecast, and yes, the mention of the potential to see some snowfall, I'll get there in just a moment. But as we take a look at our tower cam right now, so it was fantastic today. The one last day of sunshine that we're going to see over the next little while. Our current temperature sitting at 9 degrees. It's a light wind this evening, southwesterly at 6 kilometers per hour. Our temperatures today, we still managed to climb up to 10 degrees is the high. Average for this time of the year sits at 11, but it is slightly cooler over the next little while in comparison to the record-breaking temperatures that we did see over the weekend. A very happy birthday this evening to Mavis McQuillan from Courtney celebrating 100, so I hope you've had a wonderful day. As we do take a look at some of the other highs across the province, especially for the interior today, it was cooler below the average for a few spots. Kelowna today up to 7 degrees. And areas near Prince George today topping at a 12. Tofino with a high of 13 degrees. The ridge of high pressure that has been in place has given us sunshine, but it is now going to start to weaken and give way for cool Arctic air across much of the province. And it is going to be mixed in with some moisture and with it higher elevations. We'll see the potential for snowfall. Many areas across the central and southern interior will be over the next 48 hours. And Metro Vancouver, we're keeping a close eye, especially late Thursday and in towards our Friday morning. Higher elevations will be tracking that snowfall. Northern half of the province, coastal sections tomorrow, will be seeing a clearing with much more sunshine and dry conditions over the next few days. The southern half, that's where we'll see the instability. Southeastern corners tracking mixed precipitation, rain mixed with snow for Cranbrook. Thompson, Okanagan will see a chance of showers this evening and similar for tomorrow. And much of the southern half of the province, we are going to see showers developing for Wednesday and a heavier round of rain will be pushing in on Thursday. And it's late Thursday to Friday that we could see that snowfall for higher 
elevations and it is going to be cooler and unsettled, especially as we get in towards our Saturday and Sunday. As we'd mentioned, we're at Vicki Ayer's Haunted House. Lucille and Vicki are joining us now. You guys, uh, Vicki's been doing this since she's been 10 years old and you guys have raised a significant amount of money, over $400,000 for Variety. Tell us why you continue to support and be part of this. Well, Vicki is the mastermind of all yes. this, but you know what? We do it for the kids, for Variety kids, and it's also a great community effort. We get people from all over the Lower Mainland coming. And we love and, these kids, too. Yeah, and everybody wants to support it, and everybody looks forward to it, so it's fun. Yes, and, and is, you can go, you go online, too, and make a donation online. Yes, but you would, if you didn't make it out this evening, you still have the opportunity to come down till 9 p.m. to check out yes. this haunted house, and you can go to CoquitlamHauntedHouse.com, and you can make a donation oh, for yes. variety. So thank you so much for having us. Yes. It's a great scene down here, so you can and still also, come on down till 9 p.m. I love, love Global. Excellent. Well, we love you, Vicky. so thank you for putting this on. <laughs> a great evening down here, Chris. You still have the opportunity to come down till 9 p.m. Back to you. No doubt it is. Vicky's great. Thank you very much. Give her a big hug for me, and thank Lucille as well. Get down there if you can. Now, Variety believes that every child should have a chance to move with freedom, whether it's going out trick-or-treating with family or to school. Some kids simply don't have the same opportunities, and they're restricted by their mobility. Jay Janauer learned what the freedom of mobility would mean to one family from the Kootenays. What is it that you haven't been able to do that you're looking forward to, to do the most? Things that maybe I take for granted that, that you know, you're going to be able to do now. Mm, I don't know. Munchie runs. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. The independence of a munchie's run. For a 16-year-old confined to a wheelchair because of a genetic condition, being able to head out on her own without mom or dad in tow is a freedom Cedar needs. She doesn't like to like, be a burden on anyone, and I always remind her she's not. We know she needs this help, and we're there to help her. That's why we're here. And Friday's here to help that yes, dream yes, come true? Yeah. Yes. You and I see a wheelchair. To Cedar, this is independence. Thanks to Variety and your donations, Cedar can now be a true teenager, one who can come and go on her own, with or without her family and friends. I have a hard time pushing her because she's um, a bigger girl. And we just can't go nowhere alone without, you know, having someone with us. Even little sister, Sydney, because sometimes Cedar just wants to take her to the park. So then Cedar can, you know, take her out once in a while. How exciting is this for the family? Very exciting. We're, we're excited to have that. Being able to go places with my sister, just with her, because I never get to do that. It's going to be a lot of freedom to her, I know that. And I know that she will continue to work with her goal plan, keep going. It'll only be she'll be able to do it on her own. Well, you have helped Cedar with her independence, but so many other kids in B.C. need your help, too. To do your part, call now at 310-KIDS or go online to donate at variety.bc.ca. You can also donate on your mobile. Text KIDS to 45678. So many kids are depending on you, and throughout the news hour, you can double your donation, thanks to matching donations for the rest of the hour. All right, now back to that scare that played out on live television today. So it was a lot of fun. Let's get started. Our first caress. Oh. 
Daytime talk show host Wendy Williams was introducing a segment when suddenly her speech became slurred and she collapsed on stage. Now, the show quickly went to commercial break. And when they came back, Williams told viewers it was not a stunt that she had overheated in her Statue of Liberty costume. She later tweeted out that she was just fine. Glad to hear that. Got to work with her a couple of times when I was in really? New York City. Yeah, Wendy and I did a couple of shows together. Very sweet lady. Nice lady. Glad, glad she's doing well. Okay, uh, Squire's here now. It's just the two of us on set. Sophie's away. See, and that's why we don't do the costumes, because you could overheat on this job. You could. These, these lights are... We're getting time cues from a piece of bacon, so at least somebody in the studio is dressed up. Okay. I'll tweet out a picture in a minute. All right. Or he could just walk in front of the camera. He could do that. Uh, the Canucks lost to Dallas 2-1 in overtime last night, but the Stars coach, a legend, says Travis Green has changed things in Vancouver. Travis has done a hell of a job at, at including everybody in the mixture. When the old master gives you big props, you know you're doing something right. We'll hear more about that after the break. Also tonight, why it's scary fun for the whole family at this haunted house. Like the results? Well, you know what? Their defense is, is very solid right now. Always a problem is uh, scoring goals, mm-hmm. although they didn't have Brock Besser last night. But still, they got, the, uh, they got the consolation point anyway. So Travis Green has been an NHL coach for 11 games. 11. But he's already earned the respect of Ken Hitchcock, who has been coaching so long. He was actually a coach when Travis Green was still a player, sporting a bad mullet. And if you look at old photos online, you will see his bad mullet. Uh, Hitchcock's praise centers around how Green has taken a team that was marshmallow soft last year and made them much harder to play against this year. And when you get props from Hitchcock, that is high praise. They got balance. They got real balance. And, and he's included everybody and he's made everybody accountable. And I think that's what the league is right now. You take scoring players and try to make them two-way players. And I think he's done a great job so far because they're committed in both ends of the rink. They... Everybody talks about their wins and their goals, but look at their goals against. I mean, look at their goals against the last four or five games. They haven't let many goals in, and they've done that because they got a full commitment across the board from from guys that maybe their reputation wasn't like that, but he's got it out of them, and that's that's kudos to him. When we started this season, uh, we talked about finding a way to be harder to play against, and, uh, you know, up to this date, I give our players a lot of credit, but... It's been 11 games, and it is very early in the season. (laughs) In other words, everybody chill. The praise is nice, but let's uh, wait a while. Uh, The Canucks didn't win last night, as we said, but they did get the point, 2-1 against Dallas. The only goal the Canucks scored came from Sam Gagne on the power play. The score sheet will show you that the assist went to Thomas Vanek and Daniel Sedin. But this play was really started by goaltender Jacob Markstrom, who at times last night was like a third defenseman out there. Check out this. Antoine Roussel maybe has a chance for a shorthanded goal. No! Way out of the net is Markstrom. And this would lead to this. That goal the Canucks needed to send it to overtime. And here's a chance for a goal by Radulov. And watch Markstrom. He knows he could go around with the wraparound and score. So what's he do? I'll just stick my leg out. He takes the penalty, but that is what you would call a good penalty. No, no wraparound for you. I like the way Markstrom battles. Okay, to Dodger Stadium. It's game six. L.A. must win the fourth game seven tomorrow, but Justin Verlander's on the hill 
for the Tiger, or not the Tigers, now the Astros, and he is 9-0 as a Houston Astro. You see him strike out Corey Seager, and Bellinger also going down. And how about George Springer? Solo shot in the third, 1-0. They're in the fifth last time we checked, and Houston is up one zip on the Dodgers. That young man is young, 18 years old, Milos Filar, goaltender, goalkeeper for Benfica, and makes the penalty save off Anthony Martial of Man U. This is Champions League action. Whoa! Pizzi is pushed hard by Eric Bailey. And he goes right down that little hill into the wall. And he's okay. Svilar unlucky here. Matic with the shot. Off the post, off his back and in. That's actually technically an own goal. And Manchester United wins it 2-0 over Benfica. Whitecaps, oh wait, Whitecaps Thursday in Seattle. Seattle Seahawks had the change that trade they made with Houston yesterday for offensive lineman Dwayne Brown. They had sent defensive back Jeremy Lane to the Texans, but he failed his physical. Now he goes back to Seattle, so now the Seahawks have to give up two draft picks to make the trade. Second and third rounder go to the Texans. Also today on trade deadline day, Calvin Benjamin, surprise, wide receiver traded from Carolina to Buffalo. Another surprise, running back Jay Ajayi sent from Miami to the Philadelphia Eagles. There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. We'll check in with Andrew and now in a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Ann? Thanks, Chris. We'll be keeping a close eye on the streets this Halloween night where police and fire crews are expected to be busy, especially in the areas where fireworks are still permitted. And we will have the very latest from New York where eight people have died after a lone wolf extremist used a pickup truck to mow down cyclists and pedestrians along a busy bike path. The 29-year-old suspect, who is a green card holder and came to the U.S. in 2010, was shot by police but survived and has since been arrested. We'll have more on this developing story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris? Okay, and thanks very much for that. And we'll wrap it up with some ghoulish fun for the whole family and some animals, too. Just throwing them in as well. Well, even animals like Halloween, don't they? Especially those at the Dallas Zoo. Well, Many on, of them. Those are humans dressed up as animals. <laughs> Excellent costumes, if so. Many of them treated to a pumpkin today, which provided some good fun playing and eating as well. And before we leave you tonight to go out trick or treating yourselves, one spectacular haunted house located in North Vancouver's Edgemont Village stands out. The Belmont Haunted House welcomes thrill seekers until nine o'clock tonight entrances by donation and along with creepy fun for the whole family you'll also enjoy making a difference all proceeds benefit ronald mcdonald house halloween is something that uh, everyone gets a thrill out of and uh, over the years it's grown from a, a couple witches to uh, over a hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of animatronics the evolution started with one witch with with a microphone and uh, this witch would talk to my daughter and the witch would tell my daughter to go to bed, clean a room and uh, after that I thought this is great. I bought three more the following year, then 10 more, then 20 more, then 40, then to what it is now. We had one neighbor that moved but uh, the rest of the neighbors are pretty good and this is a new neighbor over here and I just told her that there's about a thousand kids for Halloween so I, I gave her some chocolates too to help. There is an art to scaring people. Uh, as soon as people let their guard down, that's when you pounce. And, and the big monster there, that's, uh, that's one of the scarier ones that uh, people come to, to see every year. <laughs> Be prepared to get scared.
That's some pretty good I stuff. Love that. Let's not forget there is another great haunted house that you can check out tonight and give to Variety, the children's charity. Yvonne Shell is in Coquitlam at Vicki Ayer's haunted house that benefits that uh, wonderful group. Yes, Yvonne? This is Vicky. Hi, Vicky. This is Vicki Ayer, and this is the haunted house. We've got a group of children, Chris. All right, come on up for the candies. What do, what do we say? Jerk or treat. Okay, excellent. There we go. We've got a system going here. You can still come on down if you